Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today we're going verse by verse through the book of John. So turn there in your Bibles as we join Pastor Mike. said to them, again, I am going away, and you will seek me, and will die in your sins. Where I'm going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, will he kill himself? Because he says, where I go, you cannot come? It's really funny that, that the things that Jesus would always say were spiritual, and they would always try to put it into the physical. And so Jesus said to them, you are from beneath. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. By the way, friends, it's the same thing we should be saying about ourselves. I am not of this world. I'm just a passing through. You ever remember years ago, late uh, 60s, early 70s, remember the keep on trucking man? Had a big old long foot out front. We're just trucking through. This is not our home. Never forget that. We're here for a while. In fact, Paul says it really interesting. He says, we're but a vapor. We're here for a short time and we're gone. And so we need to think about that. Again, seeing life through the light of Christ rather than, well, you know, he with the most toys when he wins dies as the U-Haul trailer follows the hearse to the graveyard. No, it doesn't happen. So he says to them, I'm not of the world. Therefore, I said to you that you will die in your sins if you do not believe that I am he. You will die in your sins. Wow. He goes, you're doomed. I'm going to heaven. You're going somewhere else. Now notice something he says here, and I think this is really important. If you do not believe that I am he. You know what's really funny? They came to Jesus and they said, Jesus, what must we do? What works must we do to inherit eternal life? You know, the book of John literally blows up every cult that's in the world that people would just simply read it. And John chapter 8 takes out a whole bunch of the cults in just one chapter. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, you got to join the choice you got to wear a shirt and tie and cut your hair and girls get a doily on your head. And you know what? If your high heels are longer than two inches, saw them off. And then you got to get out and go door to door and sell Twinkies in airports and wear orange and eat only organically grown foods. <laughs> then and only then you might make it. I mean, I, I know we laugh at that. But when you get into the mantras and these cults, what they want you to do, well, you're only going to go to heaven if you worship on Saturday and you don't eat bacon. I've been hanging out with Leo Giovanetti too much. Sorry. Um, Somebody called me one time and they said, does that guy gargle with battery acid? Uh, Leo's got a voice, I guess, you know, so he's my Italian connection there. But the point is, what do I got to do? Because we're so trained to be 
performance-based. What did Jesus say we needed to do to go to heaven? Read verse 24 again. I say to you, you will die in your sins, for if you do not believe, wow, the burden falls off our shoulders. It's by faith we're saved. Not by keeping the law, it's by faith. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Yes. Now, the word believe there means put all your faith, hope, and trust in. It doesn't mean to just simply acknowledge. The Bible says the demons believe and tremble. We know they're not going to heaven. They're not putting all their faith, hope, and trust in him, but they do acknowledge that he exists. This is not talking about acknowledgement. This is talking about believing or saying, yes, that's who you are. I believe that you're the, the, the Christ, the one that came to save us. It wasn't by joining a church. It's not by worshiping on Saturday. It's not by being sealed in the temple. It's not by wearing certain kind of clothes. It's by believing that I am he. So important, friends. For some reason, this verse in itself disqualifies almost all the cults because they all got you out trying to earn what God has given you. Now, how do you know if you're trying to earn it? When somebody asks you, if you died today, would you go to heaven? And if they say, or you say, I've done the best I can, you have not truly came in to the light of Christ. Why? Because you, me, going to heaven isn't based upon our performance. It's based upon what Jesus did for us. I believe in him. God takes what Jesus did for us comes like a robe and wraps it around us. And now that's what makes you holy. Isn't that good? We see life different. We see life different than the cults, than the religions of the world, because they're all out trying to earn what God has given us. Jesus said, you're going to die in your sins if you don't believe. Verse 25 is El Bizarro, El Bible Verso. Then the Pharisee said to him, who are you? And this wasn't asked in a nice motherly tone. This is, who are you? And Jesus said to them, just what I've been saying to you from the beginning. Notice Jesus didn't change his words to compensate for their lack of belief. And friends, that's something we always must remember as well. We don't compromise the message of the gospel. Well, if you can't believe Jesus Christ is the son of God, can you at least believe that he glows in the dark? No, that ain't going to do anything for you. He never changed his message. I, like I say, you want to learn from the best, you learn from Jesus. Verse 26, I have many things to say, and to judge concerning you. But he who sent me is true, and I speak the word and I speak to the world those things which I heard from him. Notice verse 27, and they did not understand that he spoke to them about the Father. How tragic. Had they known the Old Testament scriptures, they would have known there was a promised Messiah who was to come but they weren't looking for him. Therefore, the words didn't mean anything. Then Jesus said to them, when you lift up the Son of Man, 
Then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing of myself, but as my father taught me, I speak these things. That's really important that he did what Jesus, he did what the father said for him to do. He says, I don't do anything of myself. You know, from the history of man, from the beginning of the Bible, from the beginning of man, man wanted to reach out and touch God. What is God like? Now, in in Christianity, we we, we have a, a very good picture of a loving God. But you know, when you move out of Christianity, it's a a God that must be appeased. Have you ever seen the pictures, the images of what they visualize God is in the foreign religions, false religions of the world? He's some big obese dude. Or he's got, you know, lots of tongues coming out of many mouths. He, you look at the images of what they think God is. And, and you go, wow, that is so crazy. Jesus came as the express image of the Father. You want to know what your heavenly Father is like? Look at Jesus. There. Pretty simple. Uh, I, I don't have to look at God as um, something little or big. Uh, I, I can look at Jesus. And that gives me the definition that I need. Now he says, when you lift up the Son of Man, verse 28 again, Jesus said, that he would be lifted up. This is speaking of his crucifixion. As Moses, uh, excuse me, uh, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the son of man must be lifted up. The children of Israel were always complaining. They came and they said, they said, Moses, we don't have enough water. Moses, we don't have enough food. Moses, we don't have enough this. We don't have enough that. And Moses just got more and more taxed by these guys. Well, we remember that God sent, and the Bible in the Hebrew is weird the way it's worded. It says, flying, fiery serpents on the people. I don't know what that is, but it don't sound good. And they began to bite the people, and the people were dying. And they came to Moses, and they said, Moses, you know, God's pretty, we think like God's bummed with us. Could you do something? Moses prays, God says, take a bronze serpent, put it on a pole, lift it up, and everybody that comes and looks at the serpent will be healed. And the Bible says, this is what happened, and the people that came and looked at the serpent were healed. You you see, a serpent in the Bible represents rebellion or sin against God. Jesus became our sin, was lifted on a cross, and if we'll face our sin, if we'll look at Christ will be forgiven. As Moses lifted the serpent up, Jesus would be lifted up as well. And this is what he's speaking here in verse 28. Verse 29. He who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do the things that please him. I wish I could say that. I sometimes do the things that please him. But Jesus always did the things that that's why he's worthy of our praise. That's why he's the focal point of our, of our faith. He always did the right thing. Don't you love being around somebody that always does the right thing? I mean, it's really neat. Hey, what should I do about this? And they tell you, oh, by the way, how to start a con, okay? You ready for this? I don't even know. This is a bunny trail. I hope you like my bunny trails. You get 100 people, and you tell 100 people, 
you, get, you split them into two groups. To one group of people, 50 people, you say the stock market is going to go up. To the other 50 people, you say the stock market is going to go down. The next day, the stock market goes up. Well, the 50 people you just told the story to, they're gone. You don't care about them anymore. You concentrate now on the 50. So you tell the same group of people, tomorrow, the stock market is going to go down. To 25, you say it's going to go down. To 25, you say it's going to go up. The next day, it goes down, just what you said. You write off that 25 people with the other 50 from the 100. But now you have 25 people, but every time you predict the stock market, guess what? It's right on. Then you tell 12, the stock market's going to go down again. And you tell the 13 people, roughly half of what 25 is, it's going to go up. The next day it goes down. Then you go to the, 20, the 12 people you said it was going to go down to. And you say, tomorrow the stock market's going to go up. And to the other three, or the other 12, the other six, you say the stock market's going to go down. Till finally you have six people that every time you have predicted the stock market, it is 100% accurate. Then you go to those six people and say, now listen, you go borrow all the money you can from your friends. Give it to me and I'll make an investment for you because the stock market's going to go up tomorrow. Now, he doesn't know if it's going to go up or down. All he knows, he got all of your money, your friend's money, and the next day when they come to find out what happened, he's gone. That's the way these guys work. But look at this, verse 29. I always do the things that please him. Isn't that great? 100% to 100% of the people. I like that. As he spoke these words, Many believed in him. Isn't it funny that the Pharisees would harden their heart at the same message that would soften the other people's hearts? You know, we talked about this before, but it's always important. It comes up often. How could a God of love harden Pharaoh's heart and then punish him for it? Because the Bible says God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Well, and I've heard all kinds of kind of crazy explanations on that. But actually, if you just read the text, it's pretty simple. What did God do to Pharaoh? Now, we do have record of that. Showed him insurmountable miracles Pharaoh and his magicians had no control over. The more miracles that were done, the harder their heart got. The more miracles that Jesus did, the harder the Pharisees' hearts got. So when the Bible says God hardened Pharaoh's heart, how did he do that? He showed him miracles in which Pharaoh had nothing he could do against it. You see, if God didn't do anything to Pharaoh, God couldn't have hardened his heart or softened his heart because it's how he reacted to the power of God. The Pharisees could have softened their heart towards Christ when Jesus was raising people from the dead or people's eyes were popping back out again and all the things that Jesus did. But what happened was the more miracles that Jesus did in which they had no ability to copy or discredit made them the more angry. At these words, many believed in him. 
You see, you don't know when you share your faith with somebody, the light of the world, the purpose, the reason for life. Some will reject what you have to say. Others will say, yeah, there's got to be more than living every day than, than just making a paycheck and mowing lawns and washing dirty dishes and watching the dates on the milk carton get old. There's got to be something more to living every day. You see through the eyes of God what this life is. Every person living today is determining what position they will hold in eternity. Now friends, that's so important because every one of us today have an opportunity to be great in God's kingdom. Verse 31. And we'll stop here. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him. I, I like that. Many believed in him and then he had a special word for them. And God always, by the way, has a special word for his own. If you're his own, expect God to talk to you. And this is what he said. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. What does that mean? If you abide, abide means to live in, to take up residence. If you live in his word, oh man, think about that one for a minute. What does the Bible say about living in him? That he'll provide for us all of our needs according to his riches and glory. I don't need to steal. That I don't need to follow the world in what they declare the purpose of the world to be because I know what the purpose is because we're in the light. All of a sudden, I start seeing life differently. See, being a Christian isn't just where your Christian Costco card is registered to. Do you know what I mean by that? We don't want church to just be a Christian club. It's where we, as believers in the body of Christ, are about daddy's business. Isn't that good? And he lets me and you do that. And in heaven, we're not, re we're not rewarded according to, in man's eyes, the majesty of what we do, but in the faithfulness in what he's called us to do. What that means is whether you're pulling weeds in the parking lot or you're an evangelist, doesn't make any difference. It's that we're, we're loyal to what God has said and called us to do. I always do the will of my father, Jesus said. Oh, that that would be our prayer today. You see, that's what really changes our destiny. Your purpose forever. If you're not a Christian this morning, I want to invite you to come into Christ today. You'll see life differently, first thing. Your sins will be forgiven. The things wrong that have haunted you down through your life, God will forgive you for and then the greatest thing is you have a purpose for living. Not just to exist, but that every day, okay, God, uh, you got something for me to do today. What do you want me to do? And when we realize that God uses every day as training for the next day. Now, that, now here, this is important, friends. Get this. I have failed in my life in one day. And I go, God, well, since I failed here, 
what is that going to do in the future? God says, did you learn from your failure? Yeah. Good. I've shared this before. I remember my dad came in my room one time and I had something and it was strewn all over the floor. And he said, I told you not to do that and you did it anyway. And I thought he was going to beat me. And he looks at me and he gets a smile on his face and he said, and I got this all over the floor, this, and he goes, did you learn anything? And I said, yeah. And he goes, clean it up. I didn't get beat. And while I'm cleaning it up, I remember distinctly remembering he didn't beat me. And I learned. Daddy in heaven does the same thing. Did you learn anything? Did you learn that that way doesn't work? You know, God says, it don't work. Oh, well, God, I know more than you do. Let me do it. And then we do it, and it doesn't work. And God goes, and we're expecting lightning bolts. We're expecting a severe tongue lashing. And God says, did you learn anything? Yeah. Yeah, I did. That doesn't work that way. Good. You're learning. You have a Father in heaven that loves you. Not an ogre tyrant. Oh, they did something wrong. Let's beat them now. Yes. You get the wrong concept of God, friends. You will not run to your daddy's arms, whereby Paul says, we cry, Abba, Father. You're going to be scared to go to your daddy because you think that he's going to beat you when you do something wrong. Instead, God looks at you, puts his arm around you and says, honey, did you learn anything? Yeah, daddy, I learned that didn't work. Good, don't do it like that again. God's good. You got a good God. See, that's why... As a Christian, we have something to share with the world. We have a daddy that fixes things. I, I, I shared this before, but religions of the world, they'll tell you how to get right with God. Uh, burn so many incense sticks before the idol, and God will smile on you. Go out and do so many Hail Marys. Or, or go and, and, and do so many good deeds. Go knock on some doors. This will get you right. See, they all have a way to somehow get right with God, so to speak. But none of them offer daddy's ability to fix it. You see, we have a God that heals, a God that repairs, a God that corrects what we've done wrong. And so, yeah, I mucky-mucked it up today. God says, I'm training you for tomorrow so that the ultimate outcome is going to be what I want you to do for me. Only God does that. And only a loving God does that. Because an unloving God does that goes, you know what? You're an idiot. I don't want you around anymore. And that's what the devil comes and tells a lot of people. God does just the opposite. Thank you for joining us on It's Time as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com slash it's time. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thank you for listening and tune in next time for It's Time.